Welcome to Bitstorm, the comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to episode 99, recorded a couple of days after episode 100, which we recorded at PAX this weekend. Yes. Um, just us today. Just us. Episode 100. We've got some amazing guests coming on. We do. We can even say who they are because they've already been recorded. Uh, we had Mr. John O'Peck and Jack Cruz, both from 8-Bit uh, Nation podcasts, right? Yes. 8-Bit Collective. 8-Bit Collective. 8-Bit Nation's the fan. Uh, whatever. They were on. They were great. We had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. It's a really funny episode. Um, at least it was when we were on the floor. Yeah. So. And that will come out next week. But until then, we have episode 99, and we're going to play some ramped up click pitch. And click pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us, and on the count of three, two, one, click, we will click refresh. In this case, we'll each get an adjective and a noun, say them out loud, jam them together, make something fantastic, and then throw it away and do it again for about an hour. So strap in. Cool. Let's do it. Three, two, one, click. Three, two, one, click. Homeward dived. Seeking monogamy. Oh, interesting. Sounds like the a really awkward name of a romantic comedy. Seeking monogamy. And when I think when I said homeward dived, it makes me think of homeward bound. Maybe it's yeah. like um, maybe it's like homeward bound, but with like fish, dolphins, or something. <laughs> how uh, about how about okay. It's penguins. Ooh, okay. Um, and basically, maybe maybe it's a sort of action adventure game in which you play a a penguin that's gone on the on the um, hundred mile walk or whatever it is. Yep, the hunt for food and the yep. hunt for food. Um, and Morgan Freeman's there following along. Yep, narrating the whole thing. Yep, narrating the whole thing. Um, and literally, you've got you know your partner looking at looking after the egg and I believe that in penguin society the females go off to hunt and the yes. males sit sit behind on the egg. So it's basically I'm I'm seeing it as sort of like a an adventure through Antarctica where this penguin gets separated from, from the um from the rest of the from the, the rest pack, of the, the flock. The yeah. I don't know, what's the collective now for penguins? Good question. A waddle. That's awesome. If they're on land. If they're on water, they're a raft. Okay, so gets um <laughs> gets separated from the waddle. Yep. Because um Because there's like a predator or something, like a walrus or a a seal. Yeah, so I'm picturing that um your best friend has pushed you out of the way and you end up going for basically a, a slide down into the um Yeah. Down into the ocean. Yeah, okay. You become a one, so man, now, a one penguin raft. A one <laughs> penguin raft, yep. So the idea being that you've now got a long way to sort of travel. Yeah. And it's just the... Um, so I'm sort of seeing a bit of a cross between like Echo the Dolphin and Finding Nemo 
and, and, and like somewhat ha- happy, feet. happy feet, yeah, yeah. Uh, without the whole dancing and singing, probably. Yes. I mean, it, could, it could be a musical, but no, let's not do that. Um, yeah, okay, I like that. I like that a lot. That's that could be really cool. You know, obviously, with uh, graphics engines these days, it could do some pretty awesome um, ocean physics and stuff. The wet feathers of the penguin look really cool, slick and sleek, shiny. You know, I'm uh, imagining, like, not combat per se, but, like, escaping, you know, being able to dive down deep, deep in the water, sort of yeah. get, getting a lot of speed going, flying up onto onto, onto land, ice. skimming across the top of, of, like, an ice raft, and then, you know, dipping back down into the water. Yeah, and- yeah I, li- I could almost, yeah, I could almost picture it being a very movement-heavy game um, where it is really about that sort of traversal, the, traversing the environment as things chase you. Um, so you could sort of set up levels with sort of multiple paths through them. Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you manage to make this particular jump, it's almost a racing game then, you know, <laughs> you're a penguin. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's sort of like a, um, not quite a free a free roaming sort of thing, but it's, um, you sort of got like a, an area that you got to get to that yeah. is- but there's somewhat free roamy in the in the um in the level that you can sort of head off in a certain direction. But after a while, like the character will just say something about, "No, no, I need to get back to yeah, back perhaps. to my partner." And- um, it de- yeah, it, de- it kind of depends on how where you craft the the whole map and how dense you can make it with things to do. Because you could almost make it just because you don't obviously you don't want to just be swimming through huge empty, um, you know areas of the ocean um so you, you really need to give the player things to do in between so maybe it is a bit of a kind of open world thing or even a you know you've you've got missions to do before you sort of unblock a certain area or something kind of like the you know like the like gta sometimes does or like the original gta did i think where you couldn't get across the bridge until you yeah. you know did a certain mission or whatever so that sort of thing it just gated off um, I can sort of see that there's a group of seals, and you befriend one of the one of the seals, and that seal's father is like the um is like the big boss of like the area. Yeah, and because so you've one befriended of like his son or fat- his daughter or whatever, like yeah, um, I, I like the idea that you know you've got to go sort of prove your allegiance to them, that then you know they'll help you go get on get into this cave. And it's like this ice cave that leads you back up onto, um, back up onto land. And then you. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that sort of makes your way through. And as part of that story, like an ice, an iceberg like breaks apart or something, which, which opens it back up for travel back later and that sort of thing. Yeah. And the idea being that, you know, you, you sort of lost your way. You don't have like, I'm, I'm thinking that because you don't know where you actually are, you don't know which way it is to get back. Yeah, yeah. So that's so you're really trying to find out, find some, um, find some other animals around the area that yep. can actually, you know, sort of say, yeah, I saw the waddle of penguins going this way, and and <laughs> you know, hopefully you you lead it in the right direction. Yeah, but I'm seeing it as as sort of like a Finding Nemo slash. Um, something else. I like the idea of occasionally um, seeing it from the from the like the male's perspective, and like they're just waiting. Like you just get a, sh- a scene of the ma- of the the man just the male penguin just waiting there with the egg and yep, hungry, and just cold, talk, talking, shit, 
talking shit with all with all his mates. <laughs> Basically, have you seen Farce of the Penguins? No, no. It was a comedy, a comedy yes, movie version by, of Mars. Um, yeah, Bob Saget uh, wrote it and right. um, voiced some of the characters. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson did the narration instead of Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. and so you can sort of picture like. The sort of stuff that went on. But they kept on going back to the mails and they were all just, you know, sort of chatting about, about their days, sort of being in the, in the, um, typical token female roles. Yes. So I think that's actually kind of, kind yeah, of cool having her s- going on this like massive adventure and she's, you know, tough as nails and he's just like, Oh, I, you know, I, I broke a nail or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I kind yeah, of like. I like you know, having having the male penguin go back to a to a a token role as such. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. All right, yeah, I like that. That's cool. Let's click again. Okay, you got nothing more for it. No, <laughs> I was trying to come up with something, but no. All right, okay, three, three, two, one, click. Three, two, one, click. Introvert swallow. <laughs> okay. Wizard Rounder. <laughs> rounder? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. So, you might be able to guess why I laughed at, at you saying swallow. Yes. Because I immediately thought of birds. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Fucking swallows. Um, all right. So, I'm kind of picturing- So, you said rounder, but that made me think of, like, the, the sport rounders. So okay. That's, like, the- uh, Is yep. this something everyone played- it's like a mini version of cricket sort of thing, is it? Well, or like no, it's baseball? kind of weird. Like it's baseball kind of cricket. Like a yeah, a cross between cricket and baseball. Like there's yeah. a tiny little bat, like about half the size of a cricket bat, and it's so it's a bit more um, crickety rather than rather than you know your typical. But you ran um, bases, didn't you? Yeah, you still ran bases. Um, I know it was very big in the. In like the eighties and nineties in Australian Melbourne specifically, yeah, in the eastern suburbs. Like I haven't thought um, of it in years, school. and thinking of it now, I'm like, why haven't I heard of it in years? Is that like literally our area that played it for some reason? <laughs> Let's just make rounders generally school sports because basically my idea was a an introverted wizard at school doesn't have to be Hogwarts. Maybe it's the Australian version of Hogwarts. Have we done that before? Um, it's called okay. Jizzwazzers. So, Rounders is specifically, like, it's UK. Yeah. I did look it up. Okay. I don't think it's I don't think it's super important what it is. I think let's just use it to go to the idea of a, of a nerdy kid at wizard school. <laughs> okay, so- the type of school that I'm picturing it to be is not like a Hogwarts or anything like that. No. I'm seeing it as, ooh, I, I kind of like it as this um, nerdy kid who's always picked last for rounders. Okay. And he's only just found out that his his parents are of, of you know, a wizarding- wizarding type they've um they've sort of given up their wizarding ways because they they were sick to death of of all the um all the crap that goes along with 
Yeah, well, let's let's definitely let's move away from that the Harry Potter world completely and just think of in this world, wizards are. There's no huge underground wizard world. It's just there's the real world, and some people are wizards, and you know they either learn it or they have it in their blood. It's sort of passed down in in the family, and that's the only way that you you sort of are yeah, able to learn. Yeah, so it has, it can it can be taught and learned, but um, generally you'll have more of a talent for it if there's like a hereditary sort yeah. of blo- bloodline or something. So I like um, it that there, it's this um, introverted kid who's who's sort of like always picked last at rounders. He's sort of been going through some changes recently that <laughs> yes you know an allegory for for like puberty and all that sort of stuff and, and it's like and also actually puberty. literally puberty yeah yeah um but yeah i mean that's the standard thing right the powers come in at puberty yeah i i just like the idea that um this whole thing could actually just be a a nice narrative story sort of talking about the, the sort of hard hard times this kid is going through. and I like the idea that he plays Dungeons and Dragons. Um, like that he's yep. obviously, you know, in this world, there is the whole narrative. There's the, the fictional wizards. Um, do you think he plays a spellcaster in D&D or does he play a fighter <laughs> just to like turn things around? Well, I'm, I'm wondering, do, do people, do normal people know that that magic exists? In this world, no, I'm thinking no. I'm thinking this is okay. kind of one of those situations where it's very much hidden underground. There's like a few families that it's sort of passed down in across the world, even. Because um, mm. I'm wondering if it's if it's sort of known by by adults, but that's about it. So it's sort of like, um, okay, did you have a reason for that? I'm just um, trying to like. I, I just I kind of like the idea of you know there's there's like um, a lot of discrimination against against wizards so p- they're hiding they're hiding their skill because of um, like this prejudice against against the I do kind of love the idea that you get to a certain age find out Santa Claus is fake but wizards are real <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and just being able to to sort of play off those sort of like, remember how we said that um, the Tooth Fairy and all this sort of stuff wasn't real? Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> They're not, but you are a wizard. The Easter Bunny is Barry. kind of real, but he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Easter Bunny is the only one. He doesn't actually give give out eggs. He, it, it came about because he likes to chuck his shit at people, at kids. Um, yep. he's, just, he's just a magical bunny that somebody, some wizard, like, gave some sentience to. Yep. just kind of try to ignore him. Um, so, I, I like the idea that, you know, this family's come to this town, the kid's rather introverted, has just found out that his, his parents are actually, and therefore he's also a wizard, and he's sort of he's waiting, up knowing- And he's waiting for his powers to come in. But he's also, he also knows that that means that if they, if if someone else knows and they happen to be, you know- Wizardish, you know, or as in trying some- to think of, as in like a a, a magic system or something like that, you know, a oh, racist I against see magic. Which- <laughs> right. 
couldn't understand what you were going for. A magist. Um, a mage. A magist. Magist. Sure. Um. Okay. Well, wait. So, how? But are the other kids? So, at what age do the people find out about this thing? Um. I, I think. Or I it's think just something that sort of you come to realize you, as an. Adult. You know how we used to have sex ed in like grade five. <laughs> I think there's. I think there's it's the like magic talk. magic ed. The magic talk. <laughs> all right. So up until that age, they just like play it all off as story, as stories and fantasy and and, and fantasy play. Yeah. Um, so there's all these kids pretending to be magic and stuff and talking about magic, and they're like, "Ha What lovely, you know, imagination you have." And then yeah, you hit about thirteen or fourteen. It's like, all right, sit down, Timmy. We need to have the talk. I already know about sex. It's like, yeah, it's not about sex. Yeah, I already have pubic hair, Dad. Yeah. Well, this is this is about your other wand. <laughs> That's just <laughs> kind of wrong. Um, but I, I, I like the idea of there there being like a prejudice against, like, there's there's yeah. sort of like the the far right sort of, of thing course. that they don't they don't. Um, you know, everyone everyone finds out about magic at you know a certain age, and you know it's something that almost make, like our sex is make America is known about, again. but not but not talked about all the time. Yeah, um, I, I like the idea that you know it's sort of it's something that is is true in the world, but it's never talked about, it, not in polite company or anything like that. And there's people who are totally against it, and. Yeah, Just- well, I think it's it's probably very much like, um, sort of like the LGBT community in the past, where you know it's not something that's obvious from you from the outside, um, but once you sort of, you know, are able to make contact with someone and realize, oh, you're a wizard too, then you can sort of relax and let your guard down a bit. So I'm sort of seeing this as like a a bully esque sort of game, in that yeah, yeah, there's. You've got like at the a few a few different friend groups that you can sort of you can talk to interact and with yep. interact with and you're going through and like it's basically set over over this week and it's okay. like um I'm thinking two days before your birth your, your like tenth birthday or something like that whatever whatever age you would have been in grade five uh. Yeah, maybe the eleventh birthday because I yeah. I like the um I like the idea that it's not that round number of ten, but it actually happens. You know, you go through. Well, I think like everyone magic like, puberty or yeah, but I think it just happens at different times. I don't think it's on a certain day yeah. necessarily, but yeah, like it's around that time. And, and, and just you know, I, you you can sort of have. Do you remember the adventure game Willy Beamish? I. Do yeah, I sort of was set over five days, and there was like scenes at school, scenes at home, and and yeah, yeah. a few other things like that. Yeah. I like the idea of each day you sort of go home and you have different conversations with your parents, and you got to do some basic chores at home. You're not necessarily at the school the whole time, yeah, but just the open worldness of the of the school and and like being able to walk home and a little bit of open-worldness of the town and- A little bit, and of, night sort of, in the, little bit of night in the woods almost. Have you played that yet? Nah, no, no. It's sort of similar just in that- it, it, That's in 2D, but you've you kind of got this whole town to go around, but 
you know, there's generally one or two things you're supposed to be doing and there's an overarching story and then, like, you'll get to a certain point and it'll take you to a new environment and part of the story will oh, will cool. uh, be played out and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I kind of like that general structure. Yeah, I just had a look and I don't, and I don't own that one, so. <laughs> All right, so what's the sort of general storyline then? Is it just this kid coming to terms with their with their magic and discovering it for the first time. So maybe maybe they get a hint of it at school. Maybe something comes up with another kid uh, who's being bullied and they're talking about, like, point- they're calling him pointy hat or something or, like, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that you, you sort of hear conversations just snippets um, that is not fully let known yet about about what this world is yeah. about like you no, no, exactly. you're sort of learning it f- from the kids perspective yeah i think and, you just um, sort of get get this weird this idea of this weird bullying that's happening and then you go home and kind of mention it to your parents and they sort of I, look at they look at each other and it's like oh shit it's time for the talk and like that's when the talk happens is that first night yeah your your parents sort of have the talk and then you're going through the next day sort of knowing about some of this stuff and you sort of you can start almost having the character asking questions of, you know, who out of all these people actually have have magic and have magic, yeah. You know, who knows about it and who doesn't and and then the next day, like, um maybe there's maybe some bullying goes on onto you. Nothing nothing happens at this stage, magic wise. Yeah. But then like they the next think day, they think the they see you the moving talk. something like yep. telekinetically. <laughs> The but next day, you know, they yeah. they actually have the school like um, magic education, that. right? Right. And so everyone's now finding out about it. And yeah. I just I like this whole thing that all the kids like in this grade five sort of thing they they're finding out about this stuff, and the grade six is like, oh, you're only just finding out about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all like teasing them, you know. Oh, don't you even know what a prestidigitation is? <laughs> hey, 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 uh, you grade fourer, what's a cantrip? <laughs> and then, because I, I like the idea of you, you and your friends playing, um, playing d- uh, like a D&D like game, but yeah. then, you know, your character, you're always either a thief or you're a, um, a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't actually know anything about magic. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you've never really been drawn to magic as such. Yeah. But it's sort of, I can see that it all sort of culminates in, um, in like a big rounders game. Okay. Um, on, on the last day that, you know, it ends up being the bullies versus, versus the bullied kids. And there's just, you know, this it just, m- just end up it, in it, like, it, it goes, it goes, you know, in this all out magic. Yeah, magic versus um versus non magic sort of fight, but it turns out that I don't know whether whether we do you know a um oh what's what's that what's that movie I don't know are you going to say because well, um, what I was going to say is or something like that where the magic users actually still lose because the bullies right. are, are just <laughs> what I was going to say is that like one of the bullies or maybe like the lead bully. Reveals that their magic, like they've been teasing everyone else the whole time, but it's just that their magic came in late. 
Um, yep. And so they've been hiding it ever since, and that's why they've been bullying even harder because they're basically a closeted wizard. Um, but something happens during the game where they like instinctually they float use, up in the air yeah, and catch, use magic catch this or ball that like there's no way that they could have got it. Yeah, and it's like and the final play, and it's like you know it's all it's all drawn up, and the wizards are gone for like this massive shot. Yeah, and it's scripted that you know the big bully flies up into the air, catches it, and it's like. Whoops. <laughs> uh, Every, everything just sort of <clears throat> hits and then, you know, it's a good place to sort of end it. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Could be a fun little story. Yeah. Didn't really talk about the um, the gameplay and that sort of stuff. But I'm thinking uh, third person kind of sort a, of- Yeah, like you said, kind of bully-esque where you've just got vignettes that play out and you have to- It's mostly conversation-based, I'd say. A little bit of, like, Life is Strange kind of thing, where you're just kind of exploring and, and finding, uh, you know, environmental storytelling and, and yeah. dialogues and stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Free to one-click. Yeah. Oh, oh, also, there's a swallow there. Because <laughs> we didn't bring that in. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Doesn't matter. No. Smaller Affliction. Sopping 50. <laughs> Smaller Affliction, Sopping 50. So, what I see this is, as mm. is another narrative game. I know that I'm going a bit narrative. That's okay. Today. Let's do the world building stuff. But what I'm liking is this. Um, you've, seen the, you've seen the movie Funny People, right? Yeah. Adam Sandler, yeah. Seth Rogen. So, I'm Rogan. seeing that, mm-hmm. it, that this guy um, or this girl has just turned 50. Okay. Yep. And you know, had had a had a party and all this sort of stuff, and collapsed. Okay. And into the pool. Goes to the. D- um, no, I'm just thinking either collapsed from exhaustion or something like that. And they. I was just going for they- sopping, but anyway. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it is collapsed into the pool, and they they get an ambulance and they take him, take you to the hospital, and yeah. Basically, they they say that look, you've you've actually got like a heart murmur or something like that that yeah means that if you get too stressed you you could you could like pass out or or so- something something that's not huge and life threatening but just um if it know, happened at the wrong of, time it could be sort of it thing. could be very like dangerous. you need to be really careful yeah 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 so i like the idea that it's like this smaller affliction that isn't super super right. it's not powerful, cancer but it's-, it's not you didn't have a heart attack you don't have a button fucking brain tumor or aneurysm. It's just you got to be careful, dude. Because if you're driving a car and this happens, you're fucked. If you're yeah. skiing, <laughs> don't ski. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I'm I'm sort of seeing this as as like a a narrative game of how how this one event at your 50th birthday party could actually change your life and sort of set you on a midlife mm. crisis sort of thing. Mm. Um, mm. Interesting. And I'm, I'm thinking sort of almost kind of secret life of Walter Mitty-esque okay. sort of adventures that you may actually go on. Just so a bit of magical of- realism, like that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. You're kind of finding yourself again in a new, in a new way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I that's know really that, interesting. That maybe it's- didn't really do too well, but I actually really, I, I, really oh, I think it's it. all right. Yeah, and, yeah, I think there's look. That's a story that's not often told in games. Um, yeah. 
you know, whether it's a... Ba- basically, a, a, it's a man almost or like a woman a- at that. Well, you know, should probably be a woman because we've actually had a few men recently of older persuasion yeah. stories about them. Um, so maybe so, let's make so it a it's woman. kind of kind of like um, the uh, secret life of Wilma Mitty. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the same sort of thing. So, uh, uh, so what I'm curious about then is how can we make the most out of this being a game, right? Like, we could just go standard kind of- Like, because my mind for a while there was going to almost- Go he- home? No, I was actually going to like a heavy rain sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Because that really got across sort of that certain monotony of home life, which I feel like, particularly at the beginning, like after this has all happened, you know, she's sort of- She feels a bit stuck. She's in a- uh, in her house, and and she does, she's a, sort of afraid to go outside for you, a while. You know, you know what I would almost like that the um the way that it opens up is is sort of like the whether it's quick time events or whether it's something else yeah. in the home life is sort of kind of exciting and there's and there's like bright colors sort of happening, mm. but then after this happens, like the next time that you you start doing this, like. Everything's sort of a bit slower and kind of dull. Yeah, well, maybe there's a bit of like, after this happens, she kind of, she goes into this manic kind of state almost, not not entirely manic, but just like, she's going to get her life together and she, you know, cleans the whole house and she's uh, going, you know, exercising every day and everything does feel bright and, and positive, but just like- Basically, depression starts setting in, right? Because yep. she can't actually keep that up. She's actually realizing she's sort of afraid to go outside or like to drive because of this. Um, it's really putting a whole dampener on just her life in general. And she's not reaching out to friends anymore and that sort of thing. So, yeah, you could do that through the game where, you know, maybe you, you do play sort of a series of days at the beginning. And I think. I think fairly short. Um, yeah. It could thinking- almost be a time-lapse sort of thing where, you know, you see her, like, doing a bunch of stuff around the house and then for a moment it slows down and you get a little quick time event and maybe there's a conversation that happens because she's on the phone with someone and then, you know, you see, all right, cleaning up over here, all right, running on the gym a while and then it slows down again and you've got a little quick time event and you see what's on the TV and everything is positive at the beginning, but, like, once you've gone through three or four of these, you notice, like... She's slowing down and the colors shifting to, you know, less saturated. A little bit more monochromatic. And- yeah. Um, and, and I think and I then- think that's just the beginning of the game, right? I'm, uh, I'm thinking it's not even the first act. I think this is the prologue. Yeah, exactly. Like- exactly. And do you know what I want? <laughs> mm-hmm. I want there to be basically like a, um, just as she sort of gets to this thing. That the to the end of this really dreary day, yeah. Ding dong. Okay, and there's like there's a ring at the doorbell. Who's there? And she she goes up, and there's basically just a package there. Okay, or it's a letter or something like that. And basically, it's it's tickets that like she's the the mailman's dropped off dropped off some stuff, hit the doorbell, and it's tickets uh, airline tickets to to basically go on a trip. All right. All right. Um, saying that, you know, do she's we, won some she sweepstakes know- or something like that. Okay. And it's a mystery flight or something like that. And I'm thinking that- and she doesn't you know, remember entering the sweepstakes. 
No. Kind of like so the I, idea I, of I, like a a guardian angel kind of yeah character coming in, and and it's sort of like a um I, I don't know it's it's almost yeah I, I like the idea of it being almost a touch by an angel or some sort of thing. My to mind, get her out amusingly of her. enough, and I don't know if this is just because we mentioned Adam Sandler before, but it went to Christopher Walken's character in Click, where he's yep. like he makes the remote <laughs> and kind of gives sage advice. Sort of. So, um, I almost see it as as sort of like, not necessarily, you know, eat, pray, love as such, but it's that sort no. of- That sort of soul-searching adventure that yeah, she look, sort of gets I think to go it's, on. That- and I, yeah, I think it's something that opens her eyes up to, you know, what- You know, she's feeling old, right? She's feeling like her life's done and she's got this affliction that affects her life in, in you know- a relatively minor way overall, but it's having this huge effect. And so, the, yeah, the, across the course of the story, she she sort of realizes that there's a lot left in life for her. Yeah, um, and so the sort of stuff that I'm thinking that she gets to gets to sort of experience is like, um, you know, maybe maybe seeing some of the um seeing some of the countries in Europe and and sort of... Yeah, look, get, I think can, there's can some... Just- I think you could do some interesting... Like, there's definitely the sort of common tropes of travelling and, and Europe and stuff. I think it would also be interesting if she sort of, I don't know, dug in and started, started getting involved with, like, the underprivileged or with, like, politics or something. I don't know, like, realising that the, the world is more than... So, sort of coming out of her... You know, she realizes she's actually been well, and just out of out of her bubble, where she's sort of been somewhat self centered, as you know, every every privileged middle class person is, um, and using this as an opportunity to kind of to break free of so, that a bit too, and be so more self sacrificing. Now I'm trying to think of, you know, can this go to something somewhat magical? Sort of so hyper-reality. <laughs> when you said the tickets showed up, my first thought was, how do we make it that she sent these tickets back in time to herself? <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's actually the way we want to go, but that was where my mind went. Um, yeah, I do kind of like the idea of there's this ambiguous magic, right? It's this sort of, wait, did that person say something that, you know, implies that they sent the tickets originally because they knew I needed, a, you know, to, a kick off my butt sort of thing? Um, I, I know I know what what I want now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, instead of, um, instead of, like, going out and finding tickets. Mm-hmm. Well, it, may, maybe it's a, it's a letter saying, you know, go to this place at this time. Okay. And when she gets there, like, she's, um, maybe there are some airplane tickets or something like that. And she ends up in, in like, the middle of, of like, an adventure. Yeah. Sort of um, just before she knows it, she's in the middle of She's this. She's, like, um, so a character comes up and say, basically grabs her by the hand and says, come on, you need to come with me. Okay. And you get through the first act. <clears throat> And then, like, this character takes you to a room, 
and you turn around and there's a big blue police box. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no. It's now a Doctor Who adventure. No. Vito. <laughs> but that's how they can go back in time and give the tickets to themselves because, like, they go on this massive no. awesome adventure. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I'm no biting this. Um, I'm <laughs> vetoing your veto, and it's now a Doctor Who adventure, and you can't do anything about it. Fine, three to one, three click. To one click. Jesus, <laughs> if you want to ruin it with that, fine. <laughs> All right, shinier by activated congressman. Ooh, that's got a very Manchurian candidate feel to it. I know. I saw it. I'm like, ooh, we could go, you know. Well, since you went, since you went, uh, Doctor Who, my thought when I saw Shinier was that why well, go Firefly? <laughs> I don't um, know why, but when you said Shiny, I thought of MDK. Oh God. Okay. Well, I know why. By Shiny Entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, but what was interesting about that game? What was interesting the fact about that they had a gun head. I know, I, I enjoyed that. I, I don't know which one I enjoyed more. Because right I got them both time. at the same time. I got MDK and Tomb Raider at the same time, and I can't remember which one I enjoyed more at the time. Mm. Mm. Um, well, let's start with the activated congressman then, I guess. Yep. Uh, what are they, I guess, you know, the, the, question, the questions we need to answer are, what are they activated to do? Who... Set them up to be activated. Um, okay. Is this so? Is it literally something as simple as voting particular ways, like voting against their party or something when a certain thing happens, or is it you know they they fucking have a bomb and blow shit up? I think I think this is one of those things that you can actually have it that this congressman is actually like a um, oh what's it called like a sleeper agent mm-hmm. for another country. Okay, so it's not a mind-washing activated. No. It's, it's, they've it's infiltrated over years, and now it's time for them to f- fulfill their mission. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I think- I kind of like the idea that they're, they're like a, a democratic um, congressman. So they've they've come in with all these left-leaning ideals and all this sort of stuff, and- Okay, so this is the left using like so extreme tactics. No, I'm I'm thinking that they're, oh. they're a sleeper agent within the left that that is okay. actually like okay, it's from actually, a yes right leaning yeah you know all right from a, some sort of so is it is it from the opposition party is it from a different party within this con- country or is it from a different from a different nation country, completely okay. Um, I think this is one of those things where you can just have like an unnamed country. Yeah, some fascist, some fascist country somewhere. Now, when when obviously they're they're not showing that they're they're fully um, they're fully you know uh, like going against the grain. Everything that they do outwardly looks good because yeah. you know they're. They're voting on the right things and right measures and all this sort of stuff, but there's just some other stuff that they're doing to sort of subvert 
some of the democratic policies that it's starting to... Um, some people are starting to get suspicious. Perhaps. Yeah, and you, you, may be, you may be working... Maybe there's as, maybe as an undercover agent. Well, or something no, like that. maybe maybe this is another one. Maybe this is one of these situations where you either are or are friends with someone who's totally a conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. and they've got this crazy conspiracy that fucking fascistville country, <laughs> fascialia, fascismagoria. I don't know. That this country has is, is infiltrated the the Democrats and they're subverting the whole system and this is why the Democrats can't do anything right these days. And, you know, amongst other things. But this one turns out to be true. <laughs> and um, somehow, you, somehow they start gathering evidence for it that is incontrovertible and they convince you too. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that, you know, the, th- the sort of stuff this guy, this congressman is um is actually you know voting for looks great on on the surface you know um yeah. voted yes for for legalizing weed and all this sort of stuff and voted oh yeah i think they vote all the right ways um it's more about you know and look this is actually incredibly relevant with the whole fucking trump government but it's maybe about not fighting hard enough. It's like sort of convincing the party to be civil, you know, the whole thing around, well, we've got to do things the right way or we can't do that. Like, you know, mean- yep. meanwhile, this fucking basically fascist government is just trampling all over them. And, and that's part of the, that's part of the plan. That's part of the so mission. What I'm liking about your idea is, and I'm going to hijack it a little bit. Um, sure. I'm, I'm seeing that your, your conspiracy, um, nut of a friend, he's, he's been like looking at all the, um, all the times that this, this guy moves his hands and all the times that this guy, what words this guy is blinking on and, and right. he's saying to put all these codes together as to, you know. Yep. Um, he keeps on blinking on, on, all these different, um, all these different, uh, letters and vowels and, and he moves his hands in certain all ways right. and tense his hands the idea. here. And- I love the idea that the, the main character who you play, let's make her a woman just to, again, mix things up if the conspiracy theory nut is a guy. Um, so she's like, but Jam Jam, <laughs> you said the same thing about Oscar the Grouch on Sesame Street this morning. Uh, and you, you look, here's your sheet of paper with all the blinks noted out, um, where you, you think that the secret code, uh, is, is that, um, Big Bird has a bomb. And Snuffleupagus is not real. <laughs> <laughs> which going is back, going back to the old story. Which is back just from insane. The 70s. Like, look, he's right there. They can all see him. <laughs> they couldn't for a long time, but that was disproven back in the 80s. <laughs> exactly. Because you know that was the original. Oh, I know, I know, like, I know. Story. And Jam Jam's just like, no, it's that was all a cover up. It never, it doesn't exist. They put things in the, put chemicals in the chemtrails. The Muppets for there's there's um, chemicals in Hooper's store. Yeah, look, it, if, it, you, it, if you if you mix up the word Hooper, you get oh Opa, 
And that means that's a misspelling of Oprah. And Oprah's involved because she gave all those people cars and they all had uh, chemicals in their gas tanks that they those people come up from all over the country to see Oprah. And so they went back to their houses with their chemical cars and that's how we all got brainwashed. I was like, sure. <laughs> but then I, I I like the idea that this this guy goes missing. Yeah. Like Yeah, okay. He, he puts something up on YouTube and this guy goes missing. Yeah. And I think basically um, he's like that, that it just happens that yeah, part of this whole infiltration is they do have a blink code and he's figured it out and he predicted some attack or some sort of vote that was going to happen and he, he he predicted it based on the blinks and the hand movements. And, and and so now you're convinced. Now she's convinced. The main character is yeah. like, oh, shit. Jam Jam was right. So it goes through all this- That's a hashtag, by the story way. And all this sort of stuff. And the very final- The final scene is Big Bird actually has a bomb. What's his ideology? Why is he? He's just been mistreated this whole time. I mean, he's just kind of adopted. I don't know. Like he was radicalized into the the like owl army or something. I don't know. Well, I, I think um, what what you can find out in the sequel is that that's not really Big Bird, but that's actually a um, another sleeper agent who's who's sort of taken over the role <sighs> from right. Um, Carol Spinney right. or whoever it was. So yeah, you know, so as not to not to <laughs> you know not to libel sully not the to good s- name of 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 Big Bird and yeah okay. Yeah. But but I kind of like the idea that all the um all the conspiracy <laughs> theories that that this guy keeps on coming up with is actually you know they all end up being real. true. Um, but. You know, that's that's for something else later on. I love the but- idea that that's after the- Like, that actually that's, like, after the final scene, which is, you know, just a fairly standard, you know, kind of political thriller or whatever, and they, and they you know, they figure it out and they get him- they, they put him away. And then just, like, after the credits, you see that it fades back up from black onto this world where all the things he said were true. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just picturing, like- you you keep on seeing like that same scene from Sesame Street all the way through, like it just or whatever their whatever their um their thing is. But the final scene is sort of seeing it as as um the guy who's playing Oscar is actually, you know, doing all the movements and all this sort of stuff and you see just like the camera pans around and you see behind the camera like there's there's like Big Bird with his thumb on the trigger and is like just strapped in like this massive bomb. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll leave it there. Three to one click. Eleventh communicating. Mandatory projectile. Ooh, mandatory projectile. Have you watched Stranger Things? Uh, all of the first season, yes. Second season, we're still getting through. All right, that's fine. Uh, basically, Eleventh communicating took me to the character Eleven. Good. Um, and the fact that, you know- Because it took me back to Doctor Who and you were just going to veto that straight away. Uh, yes, so. yes, I was. Um, 
So, so it's Matt Smith. No, fuck off. <laughs> Eleven is the eleventh Doctor, it turns out. Um, yeah, so maybe this is, whether it's, I, I guess, let's just go all out. This is Stranger Things season 2.5 or something, or 1.5, let's say that. Um, just because you haven't got through season two yet. Um, that's the game version. It, yeah, maybe it's, you know what, maybe it's the cancelled Telltale <laughs> Stranger Things game. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. So, what was yours? Mandatory projectile. Projectile. All right. So, maybe this is like a, a sub-story of Stranger Things revolving around a time loop where someone gets shot. Okay. And each loop, they're, like, trying to find a way to stop this bullet. But they just, they can't. Like, it seems like no matter what they do, it, it happens, you know? How long have they got? And don't say an hour. Why? Because we've done that before. Well, okay. This is different. Um, no, I think maybe, like... Like over the course of a day. Okay. Yep. So, like, from the time loop starts at, you know, 8.27 a.m. And they get shot at, like, 6.02 p.m. Okay. Yep. I like that. And I think when they come out of this time loop, they don't remember anything, which is why we can just use all the characters as much as we want. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's all canon. So, I think, I think this is something, you know, obviously things happen in this town- um, and, and so maybe this is like, there's a tear down to the upside down or something, which is creating this time warp or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the kids are wrapped up in it. And maybe, I don't know, a couple of the adults. Okay. So what's the, what's the projectile? Well, I was thinking it was a bullet, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you know what I kind of, kind of want this to be mm-hmm. like, the mandatory projectile is just, like, it changes each time. Oh. So, so, so basically- So, no matter what they do, something- Is going to projectile out and, and kill this person. Right. Um, so, the first time, yeah, it's sort of like, I'm picturing that um, the sheriff gets spooked and shoot this, shoots this guy in the head. Right. But Damn the next it, time- The next time- um, the next time Eleven like, shows up and, like, telekinetically- You know, happens to stop, happens throws to stop a knife that. Or something. But, but the, um, there, there's, like, an explosion behind and there's, like, nails or, or a fence post that just comes and, you know, um, impales this guy. Kills- And then you wake up. Fucking- I can't remember any of the kids' names. Mike. Yeah. So, I'm picturing that each time it's sort of like- a really, really disgusting Groundhog Day crossed with Final Destination, crossed with like, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, I think one of the times, like, a like the um, the Demogorgon or whatever breaks through like the ground underneath this massive tractor, and the tractor just gets launched into the launched into the um, into Mike. <laughs> So he gets yeah. killed by a flying, like, a flying the idea tractor. That Mike is killed just a bunch of times, just, just, yeah. just because. Will's, so, Will's had enough shit happen to him. Let's let's give Mike some 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 stuff. Yeah. Um. Okay. And so, how are you solving these things? Like, 
is it sort of Telltale-esque, I guess? Um, you know, in that it, it is a strict, a fairly strict nar- narrative and it's just, you get some, you get some, uh, dialogue choices, you get some, some basic inventory puzzles. Yeah. Oh, I'm seeing a bit of Edge of Tomorrow sort of yeah, sprinkled in for good fun. For sure. That, that you can speed through some of the early sections. I think definitely, yeah, like, I think the first time you go back, obviously you go through that whole first section again. You know, you, you change something so that Mike isn't killed by the fence post. Um, but then, you know, an hour later he's killed by a tractor. Uh, but then next time, <laughs> next time you don't have to necessarily do the whole fence post thing again. Maybe it skips through it and you have some conversation points where things, you know, you might say things a bit differently now that you know certain things that are going to happen. Um, but yeah, then it's going to sort of jumps through. I'm now, I'm now picturing like it's always right on 602, no matter where you are mm. with Mike, something happens. Um, just I, I, <laughs> something happens to Mike. <laughs> Something oh, happens God. and it's just like bang, dead. Um, they just go right out into the middle of a field, and at six oh two, out of a completely like empty sky, he gets struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah, you know, or, or or like there's there's like um, flying like locusts or something like that, and a locust goes down his throat and chokes him, sort of thing. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's sort of like it's like, damn it, we still still can't do anything about this. How do they solve it? Well, I think what you what you actually find out is this whole um, thing about Mike dying all the time. You find that is not actually this isn't actually a time loop, but you're actually in control. Uh, or you've you've been like put into like this this. Um, Virtual reality sort of sort of thing by the um by the company. Okay, okay. And, and so, who is this happening to? Is it happening to Eleven? Is this like they've, re- they've recaptured her? They've recaptured her, and it's like and a new way. They've of- realised because she because she you know has this this intense feeling for Mike. Like they're basically yeah. using her as a battery sort of thing. I, I like that because obviously she's using her kind of her powers. To save him constantly, and they're able to just, like, tap into that. She's back in a tank kind of thing, in a water tank. Yeah. But now she's got- It's like there are all these chemicals in it that whenever she uses her ability, it just kind of soaks up into the into the water, and they can, and they can kind of transform that back into something they can use. Yeah. I, I like the yeah. idea that um, as you're going through, like, on, say, the second cycle, you realise that- there's some glitches sort of happening off to the side that mm. if you notice, like, on your first playthrough, great. Yeah, I but think that'd have to be pretty subtle, but yeah. 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 Well, you'll be surprised at at how how little the subtlety actually needs to be. I do love the idea that this is just something that happened to Eleven in between season one and season two when she shows back up. Um, yeah. And she just, like, she hasn't wanted to talk about it. Oh, I'm just I'm just picturing that if you remember too many cooks, like there was a whole heap of stuff early <laughs> on that um like really, really blatant, but because you had no context for it. Yeah. Like you can basically have the the character of the of the doctor or whatever turning up every now and again as a um as like almost an apparition. 
Yeah. But in reality, it's just him checking, checking in on, on how things are going in this, in this particular, um, run through. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's really cool. I like yeah. that a lot. That's awesome. Um, I reckon we go one more. All right. One more. Let's see how we go. Three, Three two, two, one. Click. Radiate oxygen. Implicit shellus. Mm, the implicit chalice. Um, okay. So implicit chalice makes me think of like an optical illusion. Do you know those illusions where it's two faces? Yeah. But then if you look at the negative space, it's like a chalice. Um, now, what we can do with that and radiate oxygen, I don't know. Okay. So... I'm sort of getting the idea of like this alternate world in which um, there's this new world order as such that have sort of taken over um, the politics of the world and they're sort of a um, they're represented by by that um, by that sort of optical illusion of the chalice and the and the two faces um, in that. The majority of people just see just see that like the chalice as part of it, right? But you as a character see the the two facedness of it. Mm, interesting. And that, um, you know, maybe in this thing, I, I kind of like in these political thriller ideals of you're the only one who seems to be able to see this, but it turns out that you've got something in your blood. That um, that you don't react to the to the radiation that they've put into the oxygen, right? And okay. there's like you know only point zero one percent of the population who who are not susceptible to this particular, um, yeah, yeah, like isotope, isotope, or that that basically sort of removes free will or something like that. Hmm. All right, and so are we? Because we've done this has been a very, very narrative heavy, heavy game uh, yep. episode. Episode. Um, are we going down that path again? <laughs> um, what, what are you thinking? Okay, so I'm trying to think how we could do this as not a non-narrative game, but an action adventure. I mean, well, but like. I was sort of trying like, to think whether there's a way we could do it a bit more systems-based. Um, okay. And look, that's not easy. But just taking that general idea of... You're sort of maybe you're the people in control, and there are ways that you have to kind of counter these people who see through you or something. Um, so, yeah, is know, it just- sort of like a... Um, is it sort of like an Orwell sort of game? Mm, could be, could be. In that. But the story is that, you know, you're being fed this story that there's this terrorist organization who um who are going up against the government and, and you know, trying to trying to cause all sorts of trouble and Yeah. You know, talking about how, you know, the government's two faced and all this sort of stuff and as you go through you can start you start unraveling, unraveling some of some of the stuff. 
Yeah. Now, the the sort of stuff that you're going through, a la Orwell, is newspaper clippings and- Phone calls and, and phone text calls messages and that and sort of stuff. But yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of it more like a, a cross between Hacknet and- mm. And, like, there's actually more than just- Oh look! You've now unlocked this because because of this. You have to actually do something to physically yeah. find it. Yeah. Well, I, just- I like the idea because I was kind of thinking of you know in Papers Please when you had to find the discrepancies. Yep. And you literally had to like click here, click there, and it'd say discrepancy found or not found. A yep. bit more of that where it has to be a very definite kind of um, deduction. Across all these different documents and phone calls and whatever. Um, and so, you really have to make the links. And sometimes maybe you have to make multiple links, you know, to really make a point um, of, of you know, you have evidence for this particular thing. Or if you link these two things, it opens up a new path of investigation. But I like the idea of it that you can actually make the wrong deductions. And go down the wrong path, and you know it, it's basically that'd be a real writing challenge, but that'd be really cool if you could like, yeah, you get it wrong, and now you just you're still able to sort of find stuff to somewhat support your position, but it's flimsy. But I also like the idea that falls you can, apart. You know, you can maybe go okay, well, then you go back and you and you actually can change your. It's not one of these things that you can you have to limit your your deductions. You can actually change it as you yeah. I think maybe you find new new evidence. It's almost like you're putting together a puzzle, but some of the puzzles will fit in multiple places. Yeah, some of the puzzle Um, pieces fit in multiple places. Yeah, some of the pieces. Um, Yeah, that that could be really cool. But you know, the puzzle pieces are obviously just like the links between them and how they link together. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's a at least it's not a narrative political thriller. It's a different sort of political thriller. I mean, it's still narrative, I guess. But it's not an action adventure or a point and click. No. So, we did good. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of like that. Kind of like that. Yeah, that's cool. A little bit softer than some of the other ones tonight. but Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Let's get to the end. Okay. All right. Well, I think, yeah, I think we'll, we'll end it there tonight. Episode 99 of Bitstorm. Thank you again for joining us. You can find us online, all of our stuff's at podchaser.com slash bitstorm. That has our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I think, website, YouTube. iTunes. All the, all the bits. iTunes, that beast beast of a thing. Whatever. What yeah. else? So, we'd like to thank our friends at the AGPN, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. If you haven't checked it out, I'm pretty sure that you can still find somewhere in the PAX archives for PAX Australia, the AGPN party mode that was oh, yeah. shown on PAX 2. Twitch.tv slash PAX 2. Yeah, it's under videos. I saw it there today. Or just search for AGPN party mode 2018. You'll probably find it. Google's pretty good like that. Yep. I'm just hoping that it's still going to be up by the time that this actually comes out. Well, last week, last year's is still up, so. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, go check out this year's, which Ben featured on. Sure, his team didn't do too well going in, hey, spoilers, going into the spoilers. final one. <laughs> but Ben, Ben did did us proud, did us very proud. Well, thank you, sir. So you're you're welcome to stay on this podcast for another year. Oh, <laughs> oh, 
another hundred episodes. Another hundred episodes, maybe. See how we go. Yeah, see how we go. <laughs> uh, finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's it. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Big Bird has a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the letter C and the number four. <laughs> <laughs>